Good evening, Patriots. And it's Friday, February 17th in the year 2023. East Coast, you're now into Saturday. And that's coming pretty short and quick. Before we begin tonight, make sure that um, you've taken good care of your wealth. Patriots, despite the U.S. blowing through the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's all the more time for you to be proactive. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king. It's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Think about it. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000. And it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting BARS to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text BARDS to 989898 today. Remember, that's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 today. Give it a try. Text BARDS 989898, and you will not be disappointed. I've been talking most of the week about this potential PSYOP over in uh, East Palestine. And I know the residents over there are really worked up, and I don't blame them. The problem is that when we get into moments like this of hysteria and fear, we don't see clearly and we don't hear things clearly. And this is getting the makeup to be yet another COVID issue. And it's very possible that what they're trying to do is set the conditions to be blaming a lot of these sudden deaths and a lot of the illnesses that are soon to become more and more visible to the public on a spill like this and the many other spills that are happening. Lots of things are changing in the United States. And part of it is we are watching, because of the injection, we are watching a very rapid and dramatic collapse of our infrastructure. We take for granted a lot of what's around us. And we forget how important people's roles, the human in the loop part is. And sadly, so many people have been affected by this injection that the human in the loop that we don't normally see, those people that do the maintenance, the people that maintain systems, they're just not there like they used to be, whether they're dead or whether they have become disabled or some just deciding it's not worth it to pursue a job at a certain company because of whatever policies. So there's a real question right now as to if we're witnessing truly a terrorist attack, as some would conclude, are we witnessing a, a reprisal from Nord Stream 2 that's being done by saboteurs from overseas, especially since it was confirmed by our journalists and it's going to be in the UN Security Council next week? week on the 22nd or is this literally something that is as simple and very unfortunate simple 
caused by just people not being in the places they should be and people not thinking clearly because of this injection. The magnitude of what we're dealing with with this injection is going to plague us for generations. When 89% of your public, or let me rephrase, when that's not correct, when 81% of your public has taken the shot, at least one, 19% of the public is shot free. This is a system that can't run on 19%, not the way we know it. And that was all by their design. And as we learn more and more about their tools, we're realizing that, you know, their AIs, as I've talked about for a long time, their AIs were always evil. They've never been benevolent. And yet they want AIs running things because then they know that AIs will be harsh and brutal on the slaves, which is us. I want to play a piece here. It's nine minutes and 16 seconds. I want you to listen to this because it's many times when I, I say things and I just know from conversations I've had this week, I'll say things and it's, I'm, it's like I'm talking into the wind. And I'm, I'm not saying this to toot my horn, but I just I also want to confirm to the fact that I'm not the only one who does a lot of research who comes to these same conclusions that this thing in Ohio is not smelling right. And I don't mean that as a pun. Um, and it was not intended, but it was, it's, it doesn't sit right because something's off, deeply off. This is a nine minute piece by Dr. Lee Merritt. I think you'll find this very interesting. Okay. So I did a little research and I don't know if you saw this, but the railroad has now given out a list of what exactly was in the cars and what spilled. I'm still not convinced this is as serious as they're saying but I could be wrong. I will just tell you, I think there's a play being run here, or it's just a dumb shit move. Things happen, trains derail, it just could have been a dumb move. But who puts five cars of vinyl chloride together? I don't know. But here's what I'm just going to tell you. Uh, First of all, there were four carloads of vinyl chloride. None of them leaked. They were burned. So they released... When they burned, they released phosgene and hydrochloric acid. Phosgene was used in World War I as a gas agent, but it's very easily dispersed. It has to be highly concentrated to, be, to work like that. And so after a day or two, it's gone. So when the EPA or whoever said, you know, it's okay to go back, they're probably right. You know, if you don't lick the ground around the train cars, that's my conclusion too. Now the hydrochloric acid as well. Yes, it's an acid, it makes a gas, but it's going to be gone. It's gone now. Um, it could come out as acid rain for a little while. It could acidify the environment for a little while. But again, the solution to dilution, the solution to pollution is dilution. That too shall pass. Just like in Canada when we had the acid rain in the, from the factories, and that was, hydro, or that was sulfuric acid, not hydrochloric acid. And um, it went away as soon as they quit spewing it out. Now, people should have complained more about that probably, but at least it, it resolved itself. The earth is amazing at healing itself. Okay, so now one car had ethyl hexyl acrylate or acrylate. Um, it was had a penetration, but <laughs> the penetration, however slight, it apparently was small and the amount of leakage is unknown but thought to be small. In any case, that's unlikely to be a major issue. One car was of isobutylene, 
And that was burned, no leakage, no significant environmental issue as far as I can tell. And then one car had butyl acrylates. This spilled and caught fire spontaneously. This seems to be a major leak and at some level is toxic. It's minimally soluble in water. It gives you, the, it gives you that classic oily multicolored film like when you put uh, any kind of oil on, on water outside like from car oil, gasoline things, okay? Um, and they're testing for that. And they're finding down the Ohio River that it's diluting very rapidly. So there's a potential for some local toxicity, but within two weeks, this is generally gone in the environment. And in, it's even quicker if, if it's sunny and it's in water. So, um, it, it, yeah, it'll get into some plants and some wildlife, but they will break it down. And that does seem to be the major concern right now. Now, the one I'm a little concerned about is uh, ethylene glycol basically your basic uh, antifreeze. Another car contained ethylene glycol, and this is highly toxic, okay? But it's not airborne. Again, this is toxic if you go up and lick it around the car, okay? I don't want it in our water supply. On the other hand, uh, I'm not sure how this would get there very easily, okay? Um, this, like I say, because it's not going to fly up in the air and then go down in the water very much. So it's toxic because it, even like if you take a, if you drink a cup of ethylene glycol, you could die because it damages your kidneys acutely. Uh, you produce oxalate crystals, which can cause mechanical damage to the kidneys. And also there's a direct toxicity of the glycol, which is one of the byproducts that you metabolize it to. Now, in this, this is in my opinion, maybe the reason that animals were dying right around the crash site, it doesn't explain somebody's chickens or somebody else's house pet unless they let them run to the crash site. So I'm still hanging out to firsthand <laughs> eyewitness about that. Um, it could be, that could be from the acid in the air initially or the phosgene in the air initially if they were close enough, but that still seems a little weird to me, especially the chickens. But, um, you know, ethylene glycol is sweet and that's why animals and kids will drink it. So don't let your kids be around this site, obviously. There is an antidote. I'm not that familiar with it. I'm not familiar with it at all because I was not an emergency room doctor. But um, it's there's fomeprazole, I think is the name of it. That's the, the, the actual clinical stuff. But in the absence of that, ethanol works. Ethanol is like what we drink in our wine or alcohol. So, uh, I, I, But I'm not going to tell you to go home and drink heavily. That wouldn't be right. So in summary... You know, this sounds terrible. It sounds like the government's never doing enough. We always want to blame the government. But in this case, I'm just not sure that's true. And I'll tell you why I'm, I'm even saying this is because I know something about what happened in the nuclear uh, events over, the, over our lifetime and before. In Fukushima, people think that 10,000 10, people died from the result of Fukushima. And people think, oh my gosh, it was all radiation. No, I can tell you exactly. It was zero cases from radiation. There, there might be a few that they think might be from late exposure, but they can't even really prove that. The deaths were from fear and dislocation. Okay, you get a bunch of old Japanese people that have lived in their house for 60 years. You roust them out of their bed in the middle of the night and say, it's an emergency, leave, 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 you know. Because I had friends that were over in Japan, and within very, I can't remember, a very, very short time period, they were walking along by the site, going back to the university. They were studying at the university. So um, what's, what's really going on there? Dislocation and fear kills people. So we have to be careful and understand that 
um, that we that we shouldn't just this on it's not don't don't make this a chicken little moment, okay? <clears throat> I will tell you too that I've heard people. Oh, let me say something about the ethylene glycol too. So that's the one that I'm worried about the most toxicity. But guess what? When you think about it, what do we do every day? Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of times a day in this country, we de-ice planes in the winter. And guess what we use? Ethylene glycol. Where does it go? It goes onto the tarmac. Where does it wash off then? It washes off into the local ponds and, and grassy knolls and, and where ducks and animals live, right? So we're not getting upset about that, but it's exactly the same thing just over a longer period of time. Um, now, I heard that I heard uh, Mike Adams and some other people have been talking about dioxin in the environment, and I'm not a chemist, but I'm not quite sure how we get there. I'm not sure how dioxin shows up there. But I will tell you this also about dioxin. We think of Agent Orange. We think how awful it was, but do you know that Clorox bleach that you might have bleached? I didn't do this, but you might have bleached your child's diaper with. It, it, it in the environment breaks down to dioxin. So again, a lot of these things that we can be made to be afraid of, we have to realize we're around them all the time. And yes, we should clean up the environment. We shouldn't be dumping things into it. I don't use Clorox, but let's be honest about what's really going on here. So um, I don't want to panic people. I think that we should be prudent and cautious, but we should not be running around with our, you know, our hair on fire. This is going, we're going to get through this. This is not the worst toxic spill that could have been imagined. It's, it's unfortunate, and I, and I feel bad for the people that live in that town. However, I'm going to feel worse if this is a land grab, okay? I do not want them to go in and condemn this land because of some ethylene glycol that got into the soil for a couple of weeks. And I can see that happening. And because people don't understand the chemistry here, they're going to get all excited, and they're going to go along with it. And they'll sell their homes at a at a fire sale because the house prices just dropped. If if you've if you've been through anything like that, you know you know what I'm talking about. So let's all just take a step back. Let's wait for the data to really come in and figure this out. Let's let the real chemists deal with this. Um, I understand that they're studying, they're chemi- they're checking the Ohio River, and already uh, one of these. Um, it's the uh, acrylate. I can't remember the name now. Uh, is already being being dispersed quite rapidly. So, um, you know, I think, I think we're going to be okay here. I think we're going to survive and I think that town is going to survive. So thank you very much for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, Patriots. So that was Dr. Lee Merritt in a post she did on her telegram channel. And I, she and I are completely in accord on this. And you've heard me talk about this all week long. And you've heard me take the point that this is a land grab. And it's also to devalue farmland and try to get farmlands out of people. And it's towards trying to taint the reputation of some of the cleanest food we have in the nation, which is coming out of the farmlands from Ohio to Pennsylvania, through Pennsylvania, which is Amish land. And that takes us back to Amos, who has won the court case on December 20th, 2022, after they raided his farm and confiscated his animals because he was selling whole milk, raw milk, and unvaccinated beef. And they want, and I'm telling you, as someone now who's new into cattle, but they're forced, they're trying to force ranchers and cattle owners to take this mRNA shot for their animals. 
There's a lot to this piece. And I'm really, with Dr. Merritt, I'm throwing the winds of caution up here because once we get into this hysteria of fear, we no longer listen. And to me, this is the principal issue of everything we've been dealing with for, for years in this nation, in particular since the spring of 2020 when the COVID con began. I know so many people that have taken the shot, and I'm not looking forward to hearing news that you know they have a heart issue or whatever. But they took it because it was the it was an irrational moment. Everyone thought we were believing we were under attack. Now watch that scenario there for just a moment. They believed we were under attack. That was the core fear around COVID because it was a man-made pandemic virus, apparently, I mean, what they were saying, which it wasn't, that was launched as a strategic weapon against the United States and was going to kill us all. And what was where was it coming from? China. So let's roll back. Literally, it seems like a year, but let's roll back 10 days. And what do we have? The invasion of the Chinese balloons. And that didn't work. So now we're going to have the invasion of the dioxins. And this is going to create a whole new wave of pandemic. And it's going to lead to probably Malberg virus or some garbage like that. I mean, they're already queuing up Malberg, so just be ready for that. And they're going to have a scapegoat for everything And the reason that those scapegoats are going to happen is because people keep living in fear. They want the land. This is a perfect setup. I've been saying this for since the beginning of this event. I'm really glad Dr. Merritt's on the same page with me. And it's one of the reasons she and I get along so well because there's a lot of common thinking that we have. And I'm not I'm not tooting horns, but I mean, this is when you hear us have a conversation on the show, these are conversations that are just like we have when we get on the phone. We talk and think things through very differently than the mainstream of America. And I'm not and it's just a good way of taking a pause for a minute. Because we're everyone's concerned in the health area. So this is an easy one to light up. You know, it's already people are like, Oh, my immune system's compromised. We just went through a pandemic. The Chinese just tried to drop an EMP on us through a, through a balloon brigade that managed to slip through our most sophisticated radar systems. It even flew over HARP systems up in, in the arrays up in Alaska and didn't get detected and didn't get detected by our satellites. But somehow the Chinese balloon was here and we had to shoot it down. Oh, yeah, that's right. We shot two missiles at one of them, but that other missile, we don't know where it went. See, so there's just a lot of things here. And she's right. This could be a completely retarded event, too. I mean, someone could just have their head up their butt. And then there's the piece of the consequences, right? The consequences. People are not at the jobs they used to be at. So we started today. So is this just a, a series of cascading errors or collapses? So we don't know. But whatever we need to do, we need to keep level. And I'm, I'm bringing this to the, uh, to the front here again because I've been really moved watching the Asbury event, the many others now that are cropping up around the nation. And I'm putting a lot of prayer into wanting to see that foment through some of the Bards Fests. And that'll happen as it happens. It'll be a lot of us and our heart and our ability to bring in the Holy Spirit. 
But I, there's one thing I can say that's very significant about the Osbury event. And that's that they're not sitting there looking at their damn phones. And they're not wasting time listening to this cycle of insane news. And they're not letting themselves being sucked into the vortex of the hyper up and down of fear and, and then it's over. And then fear and then it's over. These cycles wear us down as they should because we deserve it if we're following them. And they're designed to do that. But the beauty of being worn down, there's a couple of interesting things about being worn down. It's If you look at like MKUltra, one of the things they do is they just exhaust the person until finally they just break. But there's another side to breaking. Because part of it is that we're all part of a cult. You may not think you're a part of a cult. I don't like to think I'm part of a cult. But this entire nation is in a cult. Some much less influenced than the others because some people are deep in the core of the cult. And the patterns of behavior, if you watch them, are starting to crop up in classic cultish behavior. But we'll get to that in a second. We have we were all part of the same cult at one point. Some deeper than others, or if you want to look at it this way, it was two cults with this with one core node: Republican cult, Democrat cult. But a lot of the cult was that we were believing in some form of this government. We might call it corrupt. We might. One side's more corrupt than the other. We left definitely there was a lot of bantering of Democrat, Republican. That's all cults stuff. We're all part of a cult. So for us to step back out of it, we need to work harder at breaking from the influences that trigger the cult. One of the things that like I was saying is about MK Ultra training is that when they do this, they try to exhaust the person so that they get to a point where they break. But if we take advantage of this moment, which is what I believe in part we are witnessing with Osbury, is that people have been worn out by this cycle of cultish behavior and they've turned off the cult and they've walked in to the embracing of Jesus and through that they've awakened the Holy Spirit. I think that's accessible to anybody. And it's something that I'm spending more and more time with in just sitting with Father and breathing and enjoying the quiet with him. No distractions. This morning, there's a really good uh, pastor. We're going to have him on the show soon. I was supposed to interview him this morning, but my day kind of got ahead of me with my travel plans and, and the... Uh, things I've been doing. His name is Paul Cantrell. He's up in Portland. And I called him this morning to, he had sent me a text last night and he says, um, do you do communion? And I, I do on occasion. But I called, I called him this morning to reset the time on the interview. And he says, do you have bread and juice available? Well, before we get there, I'd mentioned that, kind of apologize because my whole week has been off with this pain in my leg that I've been dealing with, which is much better, by the way. But, um, and I don't like, <laughs> I so hate sharing my, 
stuff like that. But it's just what it is. It's part of the story for this week. And so Paul says, do you have bread and juice handy? And I said, well, not right at my desk. No. He says, well, let's do communion. So I told him I called him back in five minutes, and I'm wondering I got some bread and I got some juice. And we got down and we prayed. I called him, and he has, a, I don't know, he has like eight kids, I think. They're, they're wonderful children. And they're all... And they're all very engaged with Jesus and praying, and it's just amazing. And so we prayed, and Paul initiated to do some prayers with just kind of some intercession work on, on this pain I was having on my leg. And two of his children wanted asked to pray for me on the phone. There's something absolutely heavenly with children that pray for healing. And I I listened to this with awe, I would say, because it was, there's no influence of negative. It's a, a beautiful purity of the heart. And it really is that moment with Jesus. And Jesus has always said we needed to have the heart of the little ones to enter into kingdom. A lot of reflection I got out of that one because we really work hard at corrupting ourselves. And it's a lot of reflection I'm doing as well on how we talk about things here because it's necessary and important to at this point in time, to keep abreast of what these fools are trying to do. But when we overweight the impact of what they're doing and underweight the power of the Holy Spirit and our love in Jesus, their work tends to overshadow the fact that they've got nothing on God. And we tend to walk that way, just as a culture, we do. We like negative before we like positive. We talk negative. Here's a simple example. McDonald's did a study years ago that found that they looked at people that had negative experiences in the restaurant and people that had positive experiences in their restaurants. Now, McDonald's... I think still has this policy, but for years their policy was very simple. If you had a problem with their food, you just call customer service and they would, if you got sick for something, they'd just send you a, like a little bit of money, like $50, $100. If you had a problem with a sandwich, like in this, in the restaurant, the policy is immediately just switch it out. If someone says this isn't right, just fix it and don't say anything. I mean, meaning like don't make an issue of, well, you did this, just give them a new sandwich. The reason for this is a study that they have done many times, that's what I'm leading to, that established the how people talk about a positive experience and how people talk about a negative experience. A person that left the McDonald's restaurant that had a positive experience would share it between six and eight times. If you're lucky, it might hit 10. But on the average, it was five, or I guess like five or six times they would share that experience with somebody else if they had a positive experience. Here's the kicker on this one, though. 
if someone had a negative experience at a McDonald's, they would share it on the average 50 times before they felt that story was said enough and exhausted. That tells me a lot about people. And it's a deep reflection about who we are as, as a society. One, it speaks to a vengeful heart because people have a lot of that going on. And two, it's about this visceral living in the negative. We've been highly conditioned to feed off of negative, which is ironic because that's exactly where they want us so they can feed off of us. And that's just the conditioning we have to work very disciplined in breaking. A lot of what we are witnessing with these events is a is a pushing of the of us is getting us to react in the negative because what People know very well, and I'm telling you, these, these numbers that McDonald's did are the same numbers and types of things you deal with in marketing all the time, that a negative perception will, will destroy a company. Well, that tells, again, it's deeply reflective of who we are as people. And we're living a lot in the darkness and the negative. When we look at Osbury and we're looking at some of these other events and we're looking at the younger people that are, are getting these fired up, they're stepping into embracing Jesus and they're leaving the other stuff at the door. Now, I'm, I'm not one that is waving the flag to say that Osbury is the revival. Because there's a lot of people who have prophesied that this is the revival and I'm not going there. I think this is the beginning of many revivals that are going to sweep the nation and continue to sweep the nation. And some will be small and some will be large. And I talked some about that last night. But the biggest part of this is it should be, and it apparently is for those that are attending, changing their heart. Now the question is, can they sustain it? And that's the big one, that every one of us has to develop a discipline in order to maintain it. This world's pretty heavy out here, and it's getting heavier. But if we're living in the love of Jesus and we're living in that walk and breath with Father God, there isn't negative there. There's challenges, undeniably. There's growing points. There's physical and emotional pain at some times. But all of that is in the context of God presenting it to us. That's the place where we raise and rise up. I had something hit me in prayer the other day, just day before, yesterday morning or day before, very, very recent, and it literally kind of left me just in a total pause when it hit me. And it was, and again, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say this was God, but I'm not going to say it wasn't either. But it was a point given that, that the point of COVID and the shot was, can we overcome ourselves? Now, that's a stunning comment when you think about it. The most divisive thing ever done to humanity was that mRNA shot. I don't think we've ever seen anything that has divided humanity that much. They've not been that successful with race or politics, 
money. But that shot, boy, that has drawn a line between us. And it's a line that even if you can say, well, I can get along and accept somebody, then you're going into a place and you're saying, yeah, but they took the shot. It might shed on me. It's a devious play. And the question that was in that moment, in that context was, it was the test for humanity to see if they could overcome the greatest division ever. And I don't, I'd never, I really haven't framed it that way before. We tend not to look at our lives in terms of tests, and yet there's a lot of them. And in that sense, if you imagine overcoming one of the most divisive moments ever in in human history, when you overcome something with that much division and that much hatred and anger, you catapult in a massive way the other direction to immense amount of love and compassion and forgiveness. Be careful, and I'll be careful when I say this because I guarantee someone's going to say something about this. In no way in that statement am I saying not hold the perpetrators accountable. I'm talking about just daily folk on a day-to-day basis, the division that we live with between one another because one took the shot and one didn't. And I'm, we're looking for, we're, we are looking for differences in people. And this is another trap we have to be careful of. I do it. So I'm openly stating this here. It's We tend to look at people and say, well, they're acting differently now. They must have taken the shot. <laughs> I say that all the time, in fact. There is some truth to it, but we have to be careful not to paint that that is like the only, the only answer out. It's just like this thing back in East Palestine. We so distrust our government right now. We're like, they did it. They're trying to kill people. They already poisoned us, all of the, which is true. But now suddenly we have an event where they might be telling the truth and we're going to be like, you're lying. Yeah, but we're not lying. You're lying. Shut up. You're lying. That's just it. There we go. That's that not discerning heart, but it's the focus on just our emotions. We need to center ourselves more in Jesus. That's the bottom line. All of us. We need to be walking with God and seeking discernment. And we need to have a cautionary reaction to anything these days. You know, as he's saying, patrol, take a knee. Assess your terrain and take a sip of water. That's where we need to follow every single time one of these dumb events crops up because they're coming at us left and right with these events right now. Now, whether the events, like I say, are consequential of the vax that they delivered, the bioweapon that was injected in everybody, or whether these are intentional events, whether this is a foreign invader getting revenge or us blowing up Nord Stream 2, I, I don't have answers. But I do have questions And questions to me allow my mind to start focusing on solutions, answers to the questions. But when we get wrapped up into our emotions, our drama, then we start running amok 
And what happens in the neurochemical and biological sense of our bodies is that we're literally feeding it these adrenaline and dopamine pumps that are going into us and that drama is getting us an, a drug fix is what it's doing. So we're really kind of self-defeating in this place. But when you're sitting with God, none of that happens. And when you're breathing with God, none of that happens. And when you're praying into Jesus and you're just praying just to, to focus on that line that you need to walk, that doesn't really happen. Sometimes we, people get very emotional and they're praying emotionally into stuff, and that's fine. Take that burden off. But try to find that center point of breath to just be in the moment. I wouldn't want to be in East Palestine. I'm not taking away any of their, trying to dismiss any of their concerns or, or their fears, which are real. But they need our temperance. As we hear them and their concerns, they need our level temperance to look at this model and not just jump on the, the road of, it's a fire sale. The problem we've had in the social media realm and age is that when one person screams fire, a thousand other people echo fire. When a small group of people in East Palestine scream fire, we need to say, let's research, let's dig, let's pray, let's breathe, and let's focus. And when we do that with everything in our life right now, this ridiculous rock that we're on at times anyway meaning it's a ridiculous rock at times and at times I'm not sure what rock I'm on <laughs> truly it's like altered states or something twilight zone it meets ghostbusters I swear every day but it's just a, a, a common sense issue that we have to reestablish to create the level line in society. And as we do that, we start getting less jittery. People are jittery right now, and understandably, but there's a lot of jitteriness. I have to say that in my own family, I'm very blessed because we've gone through the ups and downs of this. But we have just some very level conversations now just very level and there's a lot of praying and there's a lot of sharing our discussions with God and it's just it's keeping things very balanced you know we had a the best conversation I had today was just going through the seed packets and deciding what we're going to start planting right now and then seeing that first batch first season batch of compost fill all those seed trays it is just black as black can be it's beautiful that's level the seed doesn't sprout with emotion it sprouts because it gets in the ground and it just starts growing and as long as we keep that in our focus i think we're going to get through this more than fine i think we're going to grow from this which is what we should do patriots let's pray Father, I want to begin tonight for a prayer for those in East Palestine and all those that are being affected by this incident. And as we've talked tonight, there's 
there's no dismissing what they're feeling or experiencing, but this prayer really tonight is for the, a nation to wake up to being good counsel and wise counsel and level-headed and focused on getting to the truth, not a nation that gets jumping around and bouncing off walls with hysteria. Those in East Palestine have every reason to be concerned, even highly emotional. But what they need is a nation that is seeking the truth for them, is praying for them, is praying for the healing of the land with them. So tonight, Father, we pray for them. And we, as we pray for level-headedness, we also pray for an assuaging of their fears and their anxieties. We pray for the presence of Christ in their lives. And I'm not going to stop there, Father. <laughs> you know me. I'm not going to go small. I'm going to go big. So I'm not, I don't want to just pray for the presence of Jesus in their lives. I want to see the manifest Jesus in everyone's lives. I'm asking, Father, that you bring down the manifest presence of our Savior Jesus into everyone's lives to touch them on this night, to make his presence known, to shake them into the love and passion and amazing power which he brings, to shake this nation to the core with a single prayer that we pray together tonight that to bring Jesus into our hearts, to shake this base of this nation, the naysayers, the, the angry drug dealer, the gangbanger, the guy at the gas pump, the grocery store attendant, the homeless man, the drug addict, the prostitute, the tax collector, the government agent, the federal agent, the police officer, the fireman, the mother, the housewife, the elderly, those that feel alone, those that feel that overwhelmed, those with fear and anxiety, those that just are. Father, on this night, hear our prayers. We pray for the manifest presence of Jesus in their life, in their heart, in their face, in their room, in their presence, to be so overwhelmingly powerful that Christ is there to literally humble this nation to its knees. Let us breathe with you and to bring the prayers to you and the prayers of praise and the prayers of repentance and the prayers of mercy for a nation that is desperate for healing Screaming and running around amok as if like a, like a wild animal that's been had its foot broken in a trap. It's both rabid and it's fearful. It's both in need of love and it's in pain. So, Father, tonight we pray for this nation. And a prayer to begin the healing so deep that we begin the rapid and powerful return to you. 
Let these revivals begin the echo of what is to come in a massive, massive flow of love, forgiveness, and eyes on you to bring justice as we humble ourselves before you and restore you to the throne of this great nation. And let that be the light on the hill for the many nations around the world. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, keep your prayers up for that one. Because it's time that we need a lot more Jesus and a lot less noise and a lot less chaos, a lot less hate, a lot less screaming, a lot more breathing and a lot more praying. We can get there. Or two or three are gathered and we have a whole lot more than that. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday night. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something, I just want to breathe again, dive into the deepest end, oh, I want to feel something. Get back in my 